Then we sung faith spiritus. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and then kindle on them a fire of thy love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and then kindle on them a fire of thy love. Today we have many reasons to celebrate. Like Mary and the Apostles were gathered together in the upper room in prayer on Pentecost Sunday, today we find ourselves again gathered in the humble upper room of our church to worship our Lord this Pentecost Sunday. Secondly, as the Holy Ghost descended on each of them, filling them with His gifts, so our Lord descends on each of us at Mass and especially in Holy Communion. And third, today is the 31st of May, traditionally the Feast of the Kingship of Our Lady, so that on the day we celebrate her heavenly crown, we see that she intercedes for us from heaven, making this reopening impossible today. As today we are celebrating the descent of the Holy Ghost, and we find ourselves again at Mass, I would like to draw your attention to that gifts, those gifts of the Holy Ghost, and how we receive them at Mass. I hope you've been drawing much fruit from the sermon videos of the canons that have been posted on each of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost during this novena. We remember from our catechism, the gifts of the Holy Ghost make us more attentive to discern the will of God, more docile to His inspirations, and more ready to do His will. I think we can all agree that our modern world needs a new awakening to the inspirations of the Holy Ghost, a new Pentecost. But not one that would be a changing of the moral law, but rather a new awakening that draws us deeper into knowing and doing the eternal will of God. Being open to the Holy Ghost doesn't mean being open to change. Rather, it means being docile and executing the eternal law of God. The eternal law of God does not change, just as the Holy Ghost does not change. Whereas the virtues direct us to act according to reason, the gifts make us more docile, attentive, and able to hear His inspirations, and more able to put them into practice. At Holy Mass, there are seven mystical salutations in which the priest says, Dominus Vigisimum, or its equivalent, from the introit until the final blessing, to convey the fullness of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost. We hear this mystical salutation first before the collect, which communicates the spirit of wisdom. We hear this before the prayer because the gift of wisdom teaches us what to ask of God in prayer. Second, we hear these salutations before the gospel, which communicates the spirit of understanding so that we understand the Word of God in its fullness and put it into practice. Third, we hear these words before the offertory, which communicates the spirit of counsel, so that we discern the will of God for us and discern what He is asking us to offer Him. Fourth, we hear these words before the preface, which communicates the spirit of fortitude, so that we are strong enough to follow the Lamb of God on his way to the cross, to his sacrifice. Fifth, we hear these words before the Anus Day, 
in which the priest says, Pax Domini Sit Semper Corbiscum, the peace of the Lord be always with you, which communicates the spirit of knowledge, so that we realize the vanity of passing things of this world, and so that we are not attached to what is not eternal. Six, we hear these words after the Holy Communion, which communicates the spirit of piety and filial love and devotion to God, especially in the most holy sacrament of the altar. And finally, for the seventh time, we hear these words before the final blessing, which communicates the spirit of holy fear, so that we respect God and His commandments, that we run from sin and do what is right. And then we receive the final blessing which comes to seal all the gifts that we have received. Now, for the most part, that this lockdown is over, let us reflect and ask ourselves, what was the worst part about this lockdown? Was it losing money in the stocks? Was it fewer hours of employment? Was it losing the sports on TV? Was it stress, anxiety, and the cabin fever? Was it long lines in the grocery? Was it missing Holy Communion? Actually, I hope you said, in missing Holy Mass. This is the greatest and most noble thing that we humans can do. Nothing is more noble than worshiping God, and thus nothing is more essential to the life of a Catholic. And that is why I would like to pause with you for a few moments as we look at the fundamental Christian aspect of worship. If we first look at the life of a priest, we see that his job is first to offer the most holy sacrifice of the Mass, to give God the greatest worship, and thus to give him the greatest gift, which is his divine Son, and the sacrifice and the holy Mass. And thus we have the four ends of Mass, adoration, worship, thanksgiving, petition, and atonement to God. And also, we seek to associate ourselves in that way to worship. This is the highest and most noble of our vocations. Also, we see that the priest is to be God's advocate, to speak for him to you and to lift your prayers to him, to bring him to you and you to him. And thus, as the job of the priest to speak for God, I would like to speak with you for a few moments on the rights of God, that which He is due in worship. We know that God is due this worship out of justice, specifically out of the part of the virtue of religion. Unfortunately, nothing has suffered as much during this lockdown as the worship of God. Unfortunately, many tabernacles across the world were without visitors for days, weeks, perhaps even months. Now one impression that one may have, and thus I'm hoping to correct if this was the case, was the idea, well, I cannot get the Holy Communion, so there is no point in coming to church. This was one of the grave errors of the post-Vatican era of changing the way we worship of changing the altar of sacrifice where God is the center 
through a table of communion where the priests and the people are the center. We go to church not to get something out of it, but to give ourselves fully back to God out of our duty of justice and love. But because God is infinitely good, when we put God the focus of our worship, then He gives Himself in the outpouring of His grace. But the focus should still burst beyond God. Even in charity, the most noble of the theological virtues, the highest form of love, we love God above all things, not for what we get out of it and hope when we hope for heaven, but in charity we love God above all things for His own sake. Everything should first be given to God, adoration, thanksgiving, petition, and satisfaction. If you've ever listened to Fulton Sheen, you know that he frequently recommended the daily holy hour from the Blessed Sacrament, and he was a strong opponent of devotions to the Blessed Sacrament. But he was also one to complain of Eucharist leeches. He would complain of Catholics to approach Holy Communion like a leech, attaching himself to the body, sucking out all the life, and not contributing anything, like a slug that just holds on and sucks out the life. Sometimes it seems in churches that because Holy Communion wasn't given out, there wasn't a need to go to church. Now this is just an impression, and I'm not trying to put the blame on any single person, but I think it is something that we can reflect upon in our spirituality of Holy Communion. We can ask ourselves, am I a Eucharist leech, or am I first an adored God? I bring this up because I think this is key to first perfect our worship, our highest duty as Christians, to give God our everything. And secondly, I think we will also gain more fruitful Holy Communions. How many Holy Communions have we received in the past, and how often did they produce very little fruit in us? And if they didn't produce much fruit, it's not God to blame. St. Francis de Sales reminds us, one Holy Communion well made is quite enough to make us perfect saints. Great saints like St. Teresa of Avila, whose statue is here on this altar, did not receive Holy Communion frequently, probably but once a month. I'm not discouraging frequent communion, but if we were to receive Holy Communion frequently, as if it were our first, as if it were our only, and as if it were our last, our worship of God would be perfected and we would draw incomparably more fruits from each Holy Communion. I would like now to comment on some of our recent temporal events in light of the liturgical year that we are celebrating. You remember from the text of Holy Mass that Easter and Divine Mercy Sunday, the readings about fear, in which the apostles had become pusillanimous, weak, shameful cowards, and even traitors. St. Peter was even afraid of a poor maid. He was supposed to be the rock. While the Lord was abandoned by his apostles, recently our Lord was also abandoned throughout the world by adorers. 
Unfortunately, this was not always the fault of the clergy or the faithful, but unfortunately, our Lord suffered in adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. We can ask ourselves what truly is more necessary or essential in the worship of God. It was as if we were plunged mystically with the church on, East, on Holy Saturday because we couldn't get to Mass for several months. But the devil was not yet finished. So we served the media to close churches as if they were dungeons of contagion and disease, while several large stores had miraculous sliding doors that prevented the coronavirus from coming in. Unfortunately, I tried in vain to buy these miraculous doors, but I found them to no avail. Then the media pushed all churches to close. But the devil continued. Thus he instigated so-called Catholics and social media, ravaging the true Christian spirituality from Catholic news and stirring up their contempt against the hierarchy for the closing of churches and claiming that Holy Communion was a right. Rather than get angry about disagreeable policies, rather than get upset and complain about things that are not in our own control, we ought to focus on what we can do, on what we can control, our prayer life, and making use of what is still available to us, as God never leaves us orphans. From the cross, our Lord gave us His Blessed Mother, and thus every true Christian must spiritually remain with her. Did Mary ever raise her voice in anger to the apostles when they returned by her side after abandoning our Lord? Do you think she ever put a firm finger on the heart of St. Peter, blaming him for all that happened to her son? But if Mary didn't do this, then why does so-called Catholicia think it is their job? The devil loves this dissension. And for Holy Communion, no, it is not a right, as a right is due in perfect justice. And God owes us nothing in perfect justice, because we are finite creatures, and secondly, we are sinners. What child would go up to Santa Claus and say to him, you owe me the best toy in the bag, so give it to me now? If we wouldn't do this to Santa, why would we do it to God? No, we are sinners, and the worst of sinners. Mere creatures who have many times offended our Lord and squandered His gifts. If we go to Holy Communion, thinking it is a right that we are owed by God, I guarantee you that you will not get more spiritual fruit from that communion. It's precisely this spirit of entitlement that has prevented us from getting more graces at Holy Communion in the past. If we would have the peace of Mary in these trials by remaining at her side, our souls would be in a far better place. Now of these seven gifts of the Holy Ghost, I think it would be providential for us to look at the gift of fortitude. It seems that fear has penetrated so many souls in these past months because of the COVID-19 outbreak one cannot help but immerse themselves into the liturgical seasons that we are celebrating. As we saw that the apostles were fearful for all the wrong reasons, 
So it seems that many of our current world are as well. The apostles were fearful for money, for their reputation, and for their comfort. Even though our Lord promised the Helper, the Advocate, and the Holy Ghost, their fear still prevailed immediately after his death. Now what do we fear? Two things. We can either fear losing our good, or secondly, we can be fearful of an imminent evil. As the apostles later learned, God can never be taken from us because we have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in us by His same divine grace. God never abandons us without us first abandoning Him. And secondly, as Peter should have learned in walking on the water, no imminent evil can harm us if we keep our eyes fixed on Christ who calls us. Let us look at the marvelous examples of the martyrs, and especially the virgin martyrs, who suffered the worst fear possible on this earth, the fear of death. And they courageously and boldly sought their execution as nothing because it would open them to eternal life. They sang the hymn of the Te Deum and praised God for being found worthy to suffer for Him. They lived to the highest degree this gift of the Holy Ghost. Now we remember from our catechism that the gift of fortitude is the gift by which we are strengthened under trial to do the will of God. Peter and the early apostles, yes, were fearful, but they later prevailed after Pentecost by being docile to the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And it seems that many in the church have also caved to worldly fear and sought security in the world. It's precisely this gift of fortitude that should stand out for us this Pentecost amidst the coronavirus outbreak and amidst a world that no longer sees Christian. Should we fear a disease that at worst can only kill the body and not the soul? No. Of course we should take the prudential precautions, but we should not fear it. So many souls are stone white and stagnant in their spiritual life because of this fear, as if it were a sure thing that they would die if they got it, and that everyone they see is a potential carrier, and yet they neglect not watch out for the mere occasion of sin, nor mortal sin, that which kills the soul, and if unrepented, leads to eternal damnation. Thus, we pray for the gift of the fear of the Lord to avoid mortal sin and all that displeases Him, and secondly, for the gift of fortitude to face fear in view of God and to boldly live and profess the beauty and truth of our faith. Fortitude calls us to greatness, to standing up for our faith, to persevering under trial and persecution, to remaining on the narrow path when we are buffeted and attacked on all sides, and to patience, though the road may seem long. One of the great vices of our age is a lack of perseverance, which quickly starts something but drops it at the very first obstacle. The martyrs follow perfectly the gift of fortitude as they face not only the strongest human fear, but they persevere in overcome, overcoming this fear until the end. 
We can also look at the analogy of a bow and arrow. Like a bow and arrow has to be pulled back, so we see that we are pulled back in prayer with our Lord, that we make a retreat with our Lord, and that we aim our eyes fixed on God, our eternal reward. Now, if we do not pull the bow and arrow back together, the arrow will fall straight down. But if you pull it back very far and you aim, the arrow will go wherever you want it to go. The Holy Ghost is the divine archer of our soul, and we must allow him to pull our soul back with his gifts, to pull our souls back in retreat and holiness so that we fly straight, perfectly, and quickly to our Lord in heaven. The Holy Ghost is the sanctifier who applies the merits of our Lord to our soul so that we can join the Holy Trinity in worship in heaven. My dear faithful, let us pull back our souls and retreat with our Lord in prayer, asking for the gift of fortitude. Let us pull back our souls so that the love of God may fill our hearts with his strength, and like the apostles and the virgin martyrs, we may boldly live our Catholic faith we may boldly profess it with great love, so that like them who persevered until the end, singing the praises of God at their death, we too may attain the crown of eternal life. Come, Holy Ghost, for the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fires of thy love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.